1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome back to the MyTalk 1071 Roundtable. We're talking about sexual harassment on MyTalk 1071, i I'm Colleen Lindstrom. Bradley Trainer is here. Uh, and we've got one quick more question for Dr. Susan Strauss and Jim Keenan, our two uh, experts who are here to help us shed a little light on the topic of sexual harassment that has been brought forward by, by Hollywood um, and therapists. Jim Keenan, Dr. Susan Strauss, a harassment consultant, investigator, and expert, we did get a a listener question about statute of limitations. Uh, And actually, that was the question. Could they talk about statute of limitations?
2: I'll be happy to. I I think that really gets into Uh, When you come forward to complain, we've talked only about coming forward to complain within the organization. But any target of sexual harassment can go to the EEOC. They can go to the Minnesota Department of Human Rights. uh, They could call the police if it's been a sexual assault. And they could go to an attorney. So they have many options that are available. The statute of limitations for sexual harassment through the feds is about six months. The statute of limitation through the state is a little less than a year. Now, that's just for Title IX and for the Minnesota Human Rights. And that does not include criminal. And Jim's going to talk about criminal. But remember that the sexual harassment can include sexual assault and rape. And so a target may end up bringing, I work on several cases like this, charges under both laws, Title Seven for civil rights violation mm-hmm. and under criminal statutes. And Jim can attest to that. Yeah. Thank you so much.
3: It, uh, Statue of limitations, I think, is is a really kind of, almost like a defeating term for victims. Yeah. Because I think if people think, well, statute of limitations is passed, I don't have any recourse, I can't do anything. Right. Um, I've been... I've been in a, in, a, in a lawsuit for a sexual assault that occurred to me through a, uh, by a Catholic priest, and we've been fighting the church now for a long time. And statute of limitations obviously impacted a lot of people. In Minnesota, we've lifted that through the Child Safety Act, mm-hmm. um, and so there is no longer going forward. But I would encourage anybody who's been victimized, statute of limitations impacts your ability to pursue it in the courts, you know, and, and pursue it in a legal way. Mm-hmm. and that's that's one bit of closure but i always encourage victims that you have to find your own closure inside yourself too and that doesn't always come with a payout or anything like that certainly those things help and it holds the the other person liable but i would not let statute of limitations get in the way of sharing your truth and sharing your story Mm -hmm. and getting it out there
0: yeah speaking of um sharing your story we thought we'd take a moment and um just have uh colleen and we are also joined by um Amy Daniels, who plays the role of B. Arthur on my talk. Um, you both
4: you know, the, <laughs> unwillingly
0: the the, um, <laughs> the fascinating thing for, you know, and people in in the context of this Harvey Weinstein scandal is you hear a lot of personal stories and you both have shared personal stories. So I'd like to just give you guys the opportunity to kind of share your own stories and whoever would like to to jump in first.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and I've shared this story uh, on the air, but when I was about, I'm going to say I was 22. I was newly out of college. I was in a job that I was lukewarm about at best. Um, it wasn't something I was excited about doing, but it was it was a paid the pay, paid the bills. Um, I, about a few weeks into my job, I started to get to know some people, and there was a woman there who would make comments all the time about the shape of my body uh about the size of my breasts to the point that she would um at at one point just walked right up to me and said i just got to feel those things and grabbed me and i thought in my i remember thinking in the back of my mind this doesn't feel right i don't think (laughs) this is what we do but but then you immediately go
4: What did I do
1: or what did I do or am I am I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is how workplaces are. And I just didn't know it. But I thought I watched that video. Oh, by the way, I worked in human resources for the record. So that just makes it that much better. Um, I did finally gather up the courage after this repeated many, many times uh, in many different ways. It kind of took on a different life. I finally thought, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep going into work and showing my face. I would adjusted my hours, I'm not kidding you, so that I worked from 5.30 in the morning just so I could be there when she wasn't there and get my work done and get out of there. Um, but it just didn't, didn't do anything. I finally went to a boss and the boss said, well, okay, so it's not sexual harassment because she's a woman and you're a woman, so... So it doesn't, I don't think we're going to be able to do anything with that. But why don't we just sit the two of you down in a room together and you can talk it out and you can tell her that this yeah, isn't how welcome. how did that make you feel? Like mortified? I... Mortified? Mortified and scared, so were like, frankly. what, 22, 23? 22. And I'm thinking, okay, so you're going to put me in a room with this woman who has cornered me and grabbed me. What is going to happen then? And what?
3: somehow you did have you to teach th- her.
1: Yeah, right, and I right. have to tell her that she's doing something wrong and she's, by the way, probably twice my
4: age. Did you have that meeting? No, I quit the job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Jim, can
0: I just ask you, like, if somebody came to you and shared that story with you, how would you even begin to deal with that? as a client yeah or an employee or uh, a client
3: if a client came to me the first thing I would ask them is, is have they notified the employer mm-hmm. have they in, in have they started taking steps to to create a safe environment in their workplace and and then second I, I would have to validate their reaction because when you said re- immediately you're like oh my god is my reaction wrong yeah mm-hmm. should I have welcomed yeah. that is that you know is, is that I, what I, people I, do is that what went on when I took a five-minute break in training I, I missed mm-hmm. that jeez um, I miss that slide and, 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 and you <laughs> You know, and, and and we're all trying to progress in our jobs and and we always think oh my god if I say this is it going to derail me mm-hmm. and and then financially where do I go and what do I do and then and who's going to say what about
4: me and isn't mm-hmm. that the crux of it what you just said Jim is the crux of it being suddenly you go from being a regular old employee to somebody who's weighing out your livelihood, mm-hmm. your options, mm-hmm. what's going to become of your life. I mean, it becomes, it goes from zero to hundred really quickly. Yeah. Really quickly because now all of a sudden your filter is, is this going to happen
3: everywhere? Right? Do yeah. I have to be defensive? And the answer is yes. Maybe. I mean, what we keep hearing from women
0: and men is yes, we have to. Yeah. And speaking about adjusting your lives, Amy, can you share a little bit about what you actually had to go through and how it really made you sort of, like you felt as though you were the one having to change your behavior because something was happening to you. You.
4: Yeah, this happened, I mean, just to give some context, it happened a long time ago. It wasn't here at Hubbard. I want to be clear about that. But I was, um, a prim- my primary part of my career was being on air. And so this was my first on-air job. I was doing um, a morning show in a city, that's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. And um, the person that I worked with was substantially older than I and far more experienced. That was literally the first on-air job I'd ever had. I was 23, mm-hmm. maybe 24. And, um... This person, I ended up working with this person, this man, on the air, and he, it started with um, make, just making sort of inappropriate comments, and I thought, you're like 20 years older than me, so you can't possibly, at first you don't believe it, I just thought, you can't possibly be hitting on me. First of mm-hmm. all, we work together, second of all, you know, you're way, way, way older than I, I am, so then he we went we did a promotion for the radio station where we were doing a, like a tux shop and a bridal place that were next to each other. And we had a I wore a bridal gown and he wore a tux and it was a remote broadcast. He brought roses and asked me to dinner, um, which I thought was strange. And I declined. But then it just escalated. I'll, I'll spare you the details. It escalated from there to the point where um, he just wouldn't drop the this whole line mm-hmm. with me. Um, And it got to the point where I ended up going to see a therapist. Mm -hmm. I was 24 years old, living in a city not that I'm from. And my mom said, you need to go see somebody to figure out what you can do to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, just emotionally, how do I protect myself? Um, I, at that point, didn't think I wasn't old enough to be sophisticated enough to know, like, well, do I go to my boss? It was way too small an operation to have an Mm -hmm. HR department. Didn't have one.
1: And but, and also, when you're at that age, too, you're scared. you're scared and you don't want to be a problem, or oh,
0: you just don't know. Right? What, I mean, honestly, I think it's it's safe to say a lot of people at that age or part of a uh, point in their career just don't know that that's not appropriate,
4: right. Like, right. And he was like stopping by my house at night and parking outside. and we would be on the air, and then we'd we'd be talking. It was a music station, and the music would be playing, and we'd just done a segment, and we'd go to music. And he would look at me and go, "Guess what I'm going to do tonight?" And I'd say, "What?" And he'd go, "I'm going to commit suicide." Then we'd go, then we'd come out of the song and go Mm -hmm. back into a segment and talk like nothing. He didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And then one day he went to, and I went to my boss at one point and they just sort of, they just didn't take it very seriously. They Mm -hmm. thought it was funny, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, yeah, it's not really funny. It's not funny at all. And then eventually one day something happened that he didn't like. And he went down to my immediate boss and kind of lost it and threw things. And would have a screaming, crying episode And I ended up saying to my boss, okay, I've told you about this before, and here's the deal. Tomorrow morning, either I'm coming in and I will have a job, and he won't be here, or you keep him and I won't be here, but you have to decide one or the other. Mm -hmm. Please call me this afternoon and let me know. Mm -hmm. They kept me, but there's a PS to the story. They brought him back and rehired him two months later, and he did the night show, and he. So would, you weren't there at the so same time. We weren't there at the same time, but he would stop by the station because he used to work there, mm-hmm. and tried to see me every day. So it just never, it just never ended. And right. this
0: was this was, is this the individual because I know I've heard uh, many many stories, mm-hmm. but the the story that I remember is that he was told he was fired, and then he showed up anyway
4: the next day. Yeah, he showed up anyway the next day, in my coat, my new. And they
0: thought it was a good idea to hire him again. Yeah, mm-hmm.
4: they kept him, and in fact, he I think he worked for the company for ten or fifteen years. Wow. After And long after I left. Mm -hmm. But it was that whole notion of, you know, my story aside, I think the commonality is that whole notion of if I go to somebody, will they protect me? I don't think the people that I worked for didn't intend to protect me. I don't think they took it that seriously. Or they didn't know how. Or they didn't know what to do. Because I like those people. They weren't bad people. But I felt completely lost as a 24-year-old. To how to protect myself,
1: and then you start to the point where I'm going to a therapist, and he's not,
4: he's fine. Well, and I remember, like when
1: I went to my bosses, I remember thinking again the victim mentality. I kept on thinking, "Am I not explain? Did I must not have explained this appropriately? I I, I, it probably was had something to do with how I told them about it. That that you're not, if you're not getting a resolution, you who have been victimized start to think it must be your fault that it didn't go anywhere. Something that's
4: not letting them know. Yeah.
3: Right. Well, as humans, we need to f- some finality on issues, and when people aren't giving us the answers, we will create them. Mm-hmm. And eventually, we turn to ourselves and go, "Must be me. Yeah. I must have worn something strange that day, yeah, or I must right. have." Where did you know, this
4: start? What right. did I? How did I start? How this? did I start this? Right. What yeah. did I do? What did I do? Well, when we
1: come back, you know, in the last few weeks, the conversation really has centered and focused around Harvey Weinstein, now Kevin Spacey. But we were talking about this uh, in in a smaller way. A few months ago, even a few years ago, around the time you'll remember Bill Cosby, but before that, around that same time, Kesha was bringing forward her own complaints about her music producer, Dr. Luke. We're going to talk a little bit about how that was digested and and where that went uh, after this when we come back. It's the My Talk 1071 Roundtable talking about sexual harassment.
4: I'll just say this is I wish you farewell. I hope you're somewhere pray. your soul is changing, changing, I hope you find
1: Back to the My Talk 1071 roundtable. We are talking about sexual harassment. I'm Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainer, our friend Jim Keenan from POR Emotional Wellness, also in studio, our guest, or our uh, he's our expert. And we've got Amy, Amy Amy Daniels, B Arthur. She's still here. We are you know, all talking about it. Bradley, um You know, we were talking a little bit about how Kesha came out, she was sort of a lone voice, accusing her producer, Dr. Luke. But you have a a timeline, and so we can kind of refresh our memories. Well, it's
0: just nice to sort of uh, refresh your memory, because I I think it's safe to say that, you know, people treated Kesha as though she was crazy, which is a, a common habit. Um, you know, when you've been a victim of sexual assault or sexual violence, um, and we most recently saw that with Rose McGowan, but in the case of Kesha, and I had to go back and remind myself of of what we actually learned at the time, and I will honestly say that from my own perspective, I kind of thought, well, seems like she's being a little intense and there's some stuff going on there, but maybe that's just the kind of person she is. Mm-hmm. Like all of those things I yeah. think are very common, but let's remember that in 2014, she checked into rehab. Um And this was, I guess, uh, Uh, when she began work on her third studio album, she goes to to rehab. And then she, in October of 2014, sued Dr. Luke, the producer, for sexual assault, sexual battery, sexual harassment, gender violence, emotional abuse, and violation of California's business practices, which had occurred over a 10-year period. So she really was coming forward with mm-hmm. a long-term abuse Uh, experience. Now that lawsuit, you'll remember because we covered it heavily here on the station, that lawsuit went on for about a year. She sought a preliminary injunction, Basically, the record company wanted her to perform, right? Yeah. Wanted her to work because she's, she's going to
1: make them money.
0: And mm-hmm. she said, "I don't feel as though I should have to work with somebody who has for the last ten years." And I do remember people saying, "Well, she's just trying to get out of her contract, so that's why she's alleging all of this like abuse." But again, if you go back and read the types of abuse she was alleging. I mean, you are hard pressed to believe as a rational human being that she was creating this solely for the purpose of not working with her. And ultimately, you know, it went to the New York's, I think, New York State Supreme Court. And they were like, yeah, sorry, you're going to have to you don't have to be in the room with him, but you're going to have to work and complete your contract um, with Sony. Obviously. that does not seem like maybe the best result for someone who's right. been a victim of sexual violence. Well, and she
4: was a voice in the wilderness for a while there and that's what we were talking about that story uh, when it was happening in 2014 but if you remember at first there was an amazing amount of silence.
1: Oh yeah, nobody it wasn't nobody, like, nobody was back inside side no. until later and it took a while before other women would start to come out and say not even say I had that same experience, but just Doctor Luke back. is a baddie. Yeah, I got yeah. your back,
4: Kesha. Yeah,
1: um, you know, can you talk to speak to that a little bit, Jim? The the, the 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 sort of like how that how that how we all turn on the victim.
3: The first one through the door always gets shot.
1: What is that? It,
3: it, I think it, it again goes back to challenging our psyche about safety. We want to believe our society is safe, and and when people come out. Especially people who who we like and adore, there there are thousands of fans of Kesha uh-huh. that did not like hearing that their 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 person was was sexually assaulted. Uh-huh. Um, it's very hard because again the usually the perpetrators more time than not are powerful men, uh-huh. and 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 it goes back to that concept that somehow we're supposed to protect powerful men over the victim because eventually it it, it trickles down to money.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, and here's the other thing, you guys, is that if you remember Kesha's persona mm-hmm. in 13, 12, 13, yeah, 14, she had that dirty girl sort of, you know, mm-hmm. that was her persona. Her musical persona was this, I don't know who she is really, mm-hmm. but in person, but she had this musical persona of being this crazy, wild party girl, party girl. She was kind of a, Gaga light yeah, right. with a dollar sign mm-hmm. in her name, right. you know, and I, don't you feel like. I've wondered many times since that case happened how much she got discounted because there was this equivalency that because she was that in her persona, she deserved it. Like oh, like she was, she welcomed it. She was
0: easy. She yeah. was, um, what was she wearing? I mean, like she all was a of the players. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
4: So, you know, of course that happened. So She's Of course she deserved
0: that. 10 years of, right.
4: of psychological torture and sexual well, abuse a, at think, the
3: hands of her I producer. I think men that perpetrate it think that, that the women mm-hmm. like it and welcome it or want it.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because this has been something that I have noticed in conversations I've had with other people When we talk about the behaviors of the perpetrator in the case of Harvey Weinstein, because this is sort of a recent one and we and we heard a similar story over and over again that he would invite a woman into his hotel room and then they he would request that they watch him pleasure himself. Mm -hmm. Then the conversation, you know, that we're having behind the scenes starts to go down this road of, well, if that's what his thing is, why why is he going that route to get it? So my question to you as our expert, Jim, is (laughs) You, you know, is this about fulfilling a sexual fantasy or desire, or is this about a power move, or is it about both?
3: It, to me, it's much more about a power move, and it's much more about control. Uh, Hollywood stars have thanked Harvey Weinstein more than they've think, thanked Jesus Christ or yeah. the Lord on so, stage. It's totally true. So you put it's his true. ego into the mix, and he really starts to think he is that Powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe he was, you know, maybe, the, you know, he's the ticket to get to where you want to be. But no, I, I do not think it's a sexual thing because like you're, you're right, he's got an Amex card. He could, you know, right. swipe the square, get yes. the thing, go yeah. to town. Yeah. Uh, but for him, it's control. It's, it's ultimate in power. It's I'm going to make you do something that you maybe or may not want to do. And I'm going to also believe that you liked it because I
0: told you to. Mm-hmm. And, and in his case, he's he's ultimately power.
3: And see, in my
0: opinion, I I think the reason that people need to act immediately when things like this come forward, you know, there's always been this sort of like, well, let's take a full time, you know, let's take a step back. Let's take a deep dive. Let's look at all the things, you know, take a vacation. We'll get back to you. But I think the most important reason to act swiftly when somebody shows themselves with this type type of behavior. And I am also thinking of Kevin Spacey because this was brought to the attention of the production company putting on House of Cards five years ago that he was engaging in behavior like this. That as you have talked a little bit about and maybe you can talk a little bit more about people, this behavior is not going away. It is not a one-time experience. And this typically again is something that a person will continue to act on. Absolutely they will. And and usually people who don't move the perpetrator out of the system
3: there, there, when you come down to it, in my experience, it's about money. Mm. You know, when you look at the amount of money that house of cards generated for Netflix and Kevin Spacey and the production and, you know, and then, you know, if you're a decision maker, you, you, you know, they're probably thinking, well, does the key grip have to lose his job because Kevin Spacey is a, is, is a perpetrator mm-hmm. and well, can we just kind of maybe compartmentalize him? You see it done everything from the Catholic church to now Hollywood and I have no doubt that it's done in corporate America yeah. all over. And ultimately, it's saving profits, and it's it's people in the situation isolating it and not seeing it at a broad brush.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, and they see themselves, don't you think, that they see themselves as business people because they are. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, they make their decisions either based on money alone, mm-hmm. or you can inform those decisions with just pure morality and we'd all like to think it's pure morality, but very few people make their decisions that way in business.
3: Well, I had all somebody, the time. I, I made the comment to somebody that, you know, we need to be putting people and humans before profit. And he looked at me and said, People and humans don't pay the bills. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. But now perhaps that really is just a paradigm shift in the sense that as we see now, um, whether it's in the case of House of Cards, the production company behind that particular show, whether it's the Weinstein company in essentially in a week crumbling to its knees, Mm -hmm. that perhaps people will begin to act immediately to prevent the loss long-term of their entire Because back to wealth. money, yeah. back yeah. to money. Because
4: yeah. what ends up happening, and I was thinking that when you said that, Jim, earlier is, is when you first look at the charge, you say that's gonna cost us $220 million. But as you see the liability line go the mm-hmm. other way, you start to say, and this is gonna cost us million. So the math starts to work in the favor of the victims at some point. Right. And maybe this case with Weinstein in particular, Cosby, all of these Spacey, all of these cases, Bill O'Reilly, has cost those companies a lot of money. Right. And you know,
1: yeah, and to the point where hopefully you know going forward, people will see that as a logical consequence of trying to hide these behaviors. That it
4: becomes not just a moral incentive, but there's actually a financial, yeah, way. right. And I think giving
3: victims the 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 permission to come forward again and again and yeah. again and again. I love the hashtag mm-hmm. Me Too.
4: Mm-hmm. I do too.
1: When we come back, we'll actually have our own Me Too six five one six four one one zero seven one. We will be taking your calls if you have questions, if you have thoughts, if you want to share your own personal story six 651- five one six four one one oh seven one. Also, we'll take your emails. Uh, just go to our show page at my talk one oh seven one the Colleen and Bradley show page. This is a My Talk One Oh Seven One Roundtable. We are talking about sexual harassment. Welcome back to the My Talk One Oh Seven One Roundtable, talking about sexual harassment. I'm Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley trainer, our expert, Jim Keenan from POR Emotional Wellness. He is a therapist, and uh, be Arthur herself, Amy Daniels. Has stuck around.
4: Thank you. It's fun. It's <laughs> fun being here. No, it's, it's just woman. such. It's such an interesting topic. I was, was going to really say is. you're a woman.
0: You have a story to share. I yeah. feel like all women have a, well, a story to share, and a lot of men actually.
4: The reason we did the show is because immediately after the Weinstein story broke, um, and Colleen can attest yeah. to this, every single woman in this place, and I'm sure it was happening everywhere, yes. were just you could see them in the hallways talking about. Oh, you know all their stories yeah. everybody had a story and that's where that me Too hashtag came from. Yeah right.
1: Yeah, I just want to really quickly remark 641 uh, when we are taking calls We've also noticed that people have uh, added some uh, remarks and thoughts to our Facebook page We also are getting emails. There are many ways to get in touch with us Also, if you've missed any part of this uh, my talk roundtable You can go to my the my talk website with the keyword roundtable and we will also be on my talk table on iTunes So you'll be able to podcast this later
0: So I have an email here. um, See what you guys uh, would like to say about this. What can you do uh, if this person that you feel like uh, is exhibiting behavior that's not appropriate is not your boss yet? And she gives an example. While I was in the middle of an interview, the boss or owner came up and pinched my butt. I was so shocked that I just left to make things worse. As I was walking out, the man's wife came up to me and said, I hope you're not offended. My husband is just a touchy-touchy person. Wow. She says, what should, what should I have done? She says, I was young and in shock. Wow. Yeah, right? so Well, I think it,
3: I'm a little flabbergasted, too, by the wife's. Reaction right. of, hey, sorry about my husband grabbing your tush. It, you know, we, we've just all figured it out. And we let think him it's happen. hilarious. I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in kind of going Dr. Phil on people where you tell them what you need and what you want. Mm-hmm. First off, I wouldn't accept a job there. Um, second, I would, that's not okay. Yeah. You just touched my butt and that is not okay and turn around and walk away and if the wife says hey I I hope you can uh, you know forgive him absolutely no I can't mm-hmm. and I can't forgive you either for condoning it yeah. and and I'm out and I and I'm gone and that's that's you know like in in a in a great world that would happen but what if what if you needed that job yeah. and in right. 2 weeks your exactly. rent is due and and you're like in your mind you start to calculate how much can I minimize it and still feel okay with myself
1: you know, I'm glad you said that in that exact way, because that was one of the things that that sort of stuck in my craw after the Harvey Weinstein stuff started to unravel was how many people I heard say, well, why didn't they say anything? They should have said something. Right. Um, and I think that 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 is a common question. And hindsight, of course, is twenty twenty. But there's a multitude of reasons why people don't come forward.
3: Most of the people that ask why didn't they say anything haven't been victimized. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if they did, they'd know the answer.
4: Mm-hmm. And the other thing is I think there are businesses. All businesses are like this, but certainly entertainment businesses. Mm-hmm. Movie making, television, radio, Anything like that, there are gatekeepers. You can't get into that business unless you get past the gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. And he's the the Wizard of Oz. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the gatekeepers start from the receptionist at the front desk, who generally that's not going to be, sexual harassment's not going to be an issue. Mm -hmm. But as it moves up the chain, if you sit at the top of the mountain and you're Harvey Weinstein... If you want to be in the movie business, there is a period of about ten years that if you didn't if you crossed Harvey Weinstein, you weren't gonna be in the movie right. business, period. Right. And there were people you see their their accounts that they left the business. Many, many women that have accused him. Never never tried again. They right. just
3: left. And it's hard to give your dream up because yeah. somebody mm-hmm. else act like acted, you know, inhumane,
4: mm-hmm. and that's the calculation you have to make. Absolutely, do I want the career I've always dreamed of since I was a little kid, right? Or do I do what this man's asking it's, me to it's do? It's
3: how much can I minimize it so that I still feel okay with me,
4: right?
3: And that's an unfair challenge.
1: Okay, for, from a perpetrator's perspective, if we can try to journey into the mind of the perpetrator, mm-hmm. is this a, are they, are they consciously calculating in the way that we are quarterbacking this? Do they think about it in that way?
3: I think some maybe do. I think some men it's just common practice. I know in raising my two boys and I look back and I kind of question myself if this was right, but I would talk about where and when mm-hmm. you know, if it was you know the three of us and we're hanging out at the old mill and we're getting things ready in the summer and we make a joke about something, you know, is that okay? Well, all right, but if mom comes around or grandma comes around, let's let's curb our language. Mm-hmm. you know, I look at the barber shop I go to. It can be very raunchy, sailorish, locker room talk, uh-huh. we can say. A minute a lady walks in, boom, stops, like on a dime. Mm-hmm. And that's the culture of that shop. Mm-hmm. But I, I think going back to why don't people come forward is, A, they don't think they're going to be believed. B, they continually question, is it really something I should have been concerned about? I know I feel terrible, but... Ugh, I, nobody ever talks about this and you don't talk with your kids about okay if somebody touches you inappropriate here's some feelings you might have but we do about other things mm-hmm. hey you're gonna go mm-hmm. play baseball for the first day you might feel nervous when the ball comes to you we run through other situations yeah. we don't run through this and we don't teach young boys well that it's not okay anytime but i had i had somebody who said to me hey why why aren't these women brave enough to come they're not brave coming forward now if they came back forward late earlier they would have saved so much tragedy and i looked at him and i said you know i was 38 when i came forward and i was real brave mm-hmm. and i think any time a victim comes forward you are brave timeline aside mm-hmm. you know it's just difficult we need to embrace the fact that this isn't stuff people make up yeah you know nobody wants to create these types of emotional reactions to this stuff and make it up so let's let's hear the
0: victim and embrace them. and have some grace yeah absolutely we do have a call on the line uh rebecca who wants to share her story
1: let's t- uh, let's yeah let's take your call rebecca and then uh and then we'll take a break so rebecca what did you want to share um you know i'm a
5: 36 year old mom now. i have a daughter and a son and when i was 15 i i worked at a grocery store that was local and there was a a man a full-grown man who was married with children who would come in and make very inappropriate comments to me and got to a point where he was asking me out on dates and I just kind of internalized it because I thought maybe I was being too friendly or something I never spoke out about it and now that I'm much older and I'm wiser I look back on it and I really wish I would have said something because mm-hmm. he's probably doing this to other young women and it's not worse.
0: Do you feel um, I mean I, I imagine um, you know you've carried that story for a long time how do you feel like it's affected you?
5: Um. You know, there was at one point in my mid-20s, I ran into this person in a subway, and I just froze up. I didn't know how to react. It was still in me, even though I hadn't thought about it for a long time, and even now talking to you guys, I find myself anxious, and yeah. my voice is wavering, you know, sharing the story.
2: Yeah.
3: And, and I think that's what... Uh, thank you for-
2: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and...
3: For sharing by the way um and thank you for your courage on that and i think people don't understand that when you talk about it now even 20 years later the emotions are raw the emotions yeah. are the same as they were when you he would he was saying these inappropriate things right in front of you and and yeah. and it's hard to integrate it into our our mental health and integrate it as yes it's a part of me but it doesn't drive me um and yeah. and, and and you know and and realize now that you know you're grown and you're wiser you definitely uh given the opportunity, if you were in that situation again, I have a, I have a feeling you'd come forward.
1: Oh, most definitely. Rebecca, Rebecca thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us. Yeah, thank you for letting me. Yeah. This is a My Talk one zero seven one Roundtable, and we are talking about sexual harassment. We would love to hear from more of you, 651-641-1071. We've also got some emails and some posts on the Facebook page that we will get to. And just a quick reminder, if you've missed any part of this, it, you can find out more at mytalk1071.com keyword roundtable. We will have the podcast up after the show. And also it will be available on iTunes under my talk roundtable. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the my talk 1071 roundtable. We're talking about sexual harassment. I am Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainer here as well doing the show, (laughs) we've got our expert Jim Keenan uh, who is with PR Emotional Wellness. He's a therapist and B. Arthur slash Amy Daniels also has joined us.
4: We do have
0: interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Um, We do have some calls. Uh, Let's go to Sarah. Sarah has a question about kids. Hey, Sarah. Hello. Hi, Sarah. What's your question today?
6: Hi, I would like to ask Jim, um, as a mother of teenagers and of young 20-some year olds, daughters, how do we empower our children to speak up? Because it seems as though the teenagers and the young 20-year-olds are the most vulnerable who think they don't have a voice in this situation. So how do we help them?
3: Having the conversation that you're having with me right now and and talk about it, one of the questions to ask kids, and and especially that I have a 21-year-old and a 25-year-old, I'm pretty direct uh, when I lay things out. and, And I talk about, you know, as a human, you have the right to your body. You have the right to your space. And and being very, very aware of that, and and it's not that you have to become aggressive back to a perpetrator. You know, if somebody's doing something inappropriate or saying something inappropriate, you can simply say, you know what, I'm not okay with that, I'm going to be over there, I'm going to leave, I'm going to come this way. Uh, sometimes it's harder with if you're out with friends and maybe, you know, a group of girls runs into a group of guys and maybe one friend in the girls group is okay with the inappropriateness of the guys group, so the guys are all like, woo, we've got a gold card, we can just run rampant with these girls. Um, And if you're the only girl on it uh, saying this is not okay, that can be a really intimidating space to be in. And I think it's empowering kids from a young age uh, up to that. But right now saying, "You, you, you know what, I'll cover your Uber. If you're ever in that, you just go ahead and get an Uber, get a car, get a whatever. I will cover that expense. If if your kids are like mine and they're in their first jobs and struggling to make ends meet, mm-hmm. you know, help them get an out. Um, when my kids were growing up, if if they were at a party and there was inappropriate things going on that they weren't comfortable with, they could always call me and tell their friends that I called them. And so you give 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 your kids how to get out of it, and then afterwards give them a give them a time to talk about it. You know, ask the questions, how did you feel with that? You know, let me know what you're thinking about yourself. And then reassure them that you're still strong, you're still loved, you're still safe.
0: Is that helpful, Sarah?
6: I, it does. And, but also, what about, you know, even um, giving them an out of texting you like the X. There's the X campaign going around. Of if mm-hmm. if there's anything going on, text the X. And then we know exactly, just come pick you up.
3: Absolutely. That's giving them the out. They don't have to explain. And then be willing not to ask questions either. Mm -hmm. They might not Mm want to talk about it right then. You know, they jump in your car and you're like, oh, what happened? What go on? You have to kind of gauge your reaction as the parent, too, because if you come across as very anxiety-ridden, very fearful, very kind of over-the-top emotions, that's going to boil them, too, and that's not a safe environment to talk about it in. So you need to open that car door and say, hey, honey, thanks for texting the ex. When you're ready, tell me all about it. If that's now, great. If it's two days from now, awesome. But just know that I love you and I care about you.
1: Awesome. So what about
6: when you're in the workplace? Like I know when I was a teenager working in a nursing home, the old men would hit you on the butt. Yeah. How do you protect your children from stuff like that? And how do you have them respond to these older men that are elderly instead of laughing it off as cute?
3: Right. Well, you turn around and you tell them directly, you know what, Mr. Johnson, that's not okay for your hand to touch my butt. Absolutely not okay. And then also it's actually practicing physical. Um, I was a nursing assistant for two years, and believe it or not, my butt got patted by some older women too. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) one one of the things that I would be really aware of was how did I leave a room? If you back out of a room, Mm -hmm. they can't touch your bum. And that Mm -hmm. way you can also hold conversation with them the whole time and keep face-to-face contact um you know positioning if you're in a meeting and you know that george is just this slimy kind of guy make sure that the he's not between you and the door you know make sure that you've given yourself an out so there's some some uh some other ways that you can protect yourself too
1: okay great thank you sarah thanks so much for your your question sarah you know it's so i was thinking about this um a lot this morning because i was thinking about um How I was raised to pay attention to those things and how I don't I have a brother. I have an older brother. I don't think he was raised to pay attention to the same things I was raised to pay attention to. And uh, my husband, the same way. When you talk about knowing where the closest door is and how many people are between you and the door. These are things women are conditioned and raised to be paying attention to all the time. Right. When we are walking at night, my husband has no fear. I, on the other hand, know where everybody is around me and I've got a plan for where my escape is.
3: Right. I do, too. And I think that comes from my victimization. When my wife and I were just in New York City, we were walking down the sidewalk at midnight or whatever coming out of uh, Dear Evan Hansen. And I asked her, which side do you want me on? Do you want me between us and other people on the sidewalk or between us and cars? You know, and, and, and I think as men, we can start to help our our, our our female counterparts to feel more safe when we start to understand what what they think, mm-hmm. you know, and start to understand the fear and the anxiety and the uh, anticipata- anticipation for something bad to
4: potentially happen. Yeah, and, well, and, and you bring up a good point too, Jim, is that what is, you know, there are so many great men in the world, as much as we've talked about harassment today, and often mm-hmm. that's perpetrated by men. Um, There are so many great men in the world, and those men being retrained to step forward and step up and protect women and advocate for them when Mm -hmm. the situations arise. Absolutely. I want my son to be one of those people. Yeah, and
3: and, and again, you can do it in a nonviolent way. It does not have to start an altercation, and I've done this when we've been out. Uh, we, I've, I've been uh, at a show uh, at Red Rocks, and I had a young lady come up and kind of come behind me. I said, well, you know, like, whoa, what are you doing? And she's like, that guy right there mm-hmm. just hit me and threw a beer at me. Mm-hmm. Well, I just stood in between him and said to the guy, this isn't going to happen the way you think it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Got a bouncer, and out he went. Yeah. So good men, stand up and share how you do it
0: with other men so that we can stop and change the culture. Thank you so much for that, Jim. I mean, this has been a very eye-opening two hours. Yeah,
1: and thank you for ending it on that, that very positive note. We're all here to look out for each other, right? That's right,
0: that's right.
1: Well, this has been a MyTalk Talk 1071 Roundtable. We've been talking about sexual harassment. If you missed any part of this, it will be available by podcast. Simply go to MyTalk1071.com and use the keyword roundtable. It will also be available on iTunes. And we've got plenty of, of, of resources also for you on the website. Again, MyTalk1071.com, keyword roundtable. And when we come back, we will, uh, we will get back to business as usual on the Colleen and Bradley show here on mytalk Talk 1071.